The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, uh, sports columnist at the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Um, first time since I've been doing this podcast since uh, 2017 that uh, we, we are saying uh, that the uh, Memphis Tigers are uh, on a three-game losing streak. Uh, they lose to Tulsa on the road. Uh, again, their first three-game losing streak since 2015 uh, with Justin Fuente, Justin Fuente's last year. They've gone from 3-0 and to start the year, that high of the Mississippi State win, to now 3-3, three and three, heading into a short week Thursday night at the Liberty Bowl, Simmons Bank Memorial Stadium, Liberty Bowl, whatever you want to call it, against... Navy, um, probably not the team you want to see on a short week just because of their unorthodox style of play, but um, a big game just for, I guess, the stability of the season. Um, I can't remember the last, the probably the last time Memphis was under 500 was maybe 2000, uh, 2013. Yeah, jo- with Justin early on in the Fuente era, it was like another another time for Memphis football. So um, a, a, a really important game, maybe not in terms of the AAC championship race anymore, but just in terms of, you know, making sure this season does not go off the rails. Um, obviously the Tulsa game, another game in which, you know, frankly, it felt like in a lot of areas, Memphis was the better team, except on, except when it came to turnovers the kicking game and the scoreboard, um, and those are important facets of the game. Um, but uh, a third game in a row where you felt like Memphis was the better team and lost, and that's pretty concerning. Um, Evan, big picture, um, how do you dissect this Tulsa loss and where this Memphis team is six games into the season, halfway through? I will go back to what you said, and I'll disagree with you. Like Memphis might have been the better team on 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 paper if you look at the numbers, but as I watched that game, I didn't feel like Memphis was in control. Like you were kind of waiting for a mistake or something to happen because it just seems like at this point they're a team that has gotten themselves in a mind state where they expect to pull things out, but instead of pulling things out, they somehow find a way to give it back like that interception. The first interception by Seth Hennigan was a bad decision. Um, in the fourth quarter where Tulsa had those big plays, you kind of saw them coming just because it felt like Memphis is going to find a way to let this thing slip away instead of finish it out. So I would say right now that maybe you could say they were the better team on paper, but Tulsa played like the hungrier team on the field. And I think that's the problem with Memphis right now is we don't see a team that is playing hungry we don't see a team that's playing with the sense of of urgency, if you will, these last three games. And it shows by how they've blown double-digit leads to UTSA and to Temple. And then to Tulsa, they just got manhandled. They were beaten by a more physical team. So I, I don't know where this team is in terms of what they are going to do right or how they're going to get right. 
But when you're going to face a Navy team that's physical and it's going to wear you down on a short week, I don't know how Memphis is a, a heavy favorite in this game unless you're looking at the records. Yeah, well, see, I, I sort of disagree. They gained over 600 yards. Um, and defensively, I mean, the last drive of the first half was egregious. It was just like that's something that cannot happen where a team just – scores a touchdown in three plays in 15 seconds, it seemed like, or whatever it ended up being. And then the end of the game, they kind of let go of the rope. They gave up those big plays um, at the end of the game. But I actually thought, um, compared to the week before, you know, the defense early on kept Memphis in that game when they were missing those field goals and all that. Um, So I'm not sure it's as – like. I think where I'm at is it wasn't as good as it seemed after they beat Mississippi State. And I also don't think it's as bad as it seems right now. Um, They're number 11 in the country in total offense right now. They need to get better at turning drives into touchdowns. Their red zone offense isn't great. Um, And, you know, the defense is what it is at this point. Um, You know, it's I was looking it up. This last week, they've moved up, Evan. Good news. The defense has moved up to number 117 in the country. Um, but I found, yeah, I, well, I found it interesting. They were 120 going into that Tulsa game. And I went and looked it up, and it would be as 120 is as bad. At, you know, we've had some bad defenses here at Memphis over the, you know, during the, even during this run. Um, you know, some of those early, those Mike Norvell defenses with Chris Ball as the defensive coordinator were not good. Um, 120 would be the worst defense they've had during this run. Um, and so maybe they're on the uptick there. I mean, the, the difference we've said all along is at least those defenses in the past created turnovers. Um, were a little, they weren't good at rushing the passer, but they were better than this group at rushing that rushing the passer. Um, you know, it's interesting to me because ultimately they're three and three and the way they've played, you could make the argument that every game they have the rest of the way they could lose because of what they've shown the last three weeks also make the argument because the schedule's not that difficult when you look at it that you know you know maybe the SMU and Houston game will be tough but like there's a very feasible path to seven and five eight and four if they can clean some things up um and that's exactly where people projected them to be before the season started um because I just think now there are some very notable things to clean up. Like, I don't know if they have a kicker on the roster. Um, you know, that David Kemp, David Kemp made his debut. We found out, um, you know, Silverfield kind of made it, like, I'm going to be honest, I, I, it was weird to me these past few weeks, Silverfield, when he talked about David Kemp, made it seem like, well, you know, like, I don't know what the deal is with this kid. Like, I don't know when he, you know, I don't know kickers. I don't know when he's going to come back. They said on the broadcast he had a broken plant foot. So he had a broken foot. Um, that's what they said on the broadcast on ESPN, too. Um, so, but he came back, clearly looked really nervous um, yes. out there. But he was a respected recruit coming out of co- high school. Um, so 
they got to fix the kicking game because right now, I mean, the, the decision-making process is all out of whack. Um, they're going for it on fourth down when they, you know, probably should kick it, and they're kicking it when they probably should go for it on fourth down. Like, you can tell Silverfield doesn't know what to do because he doesn't know if he can trust the kicker he's got. Right. And, right. Um, I think you made that's a problem when you're playing close games. Right. I think you brought up to me, too, that 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 one series at fourth and four, where I think everyone's mad about Calvin Austin not getting called, you know, the pass interference call on him. But Memphis didn't kick the field goal because clearly they did not trust the kicking game. So that was the case right it, there. It was odd on those two drives. Like, I, that was one of my criticisms of Silverfield. You go for it on fourth and four when you could have kicked like a 30 yard field goal, something like that, short field goal. Um, but then. And, and I thought that was the right call because, you, like, I, I didn't disagree with the call in the sense that, you, like, your kickers had stunk. Like, I get it. You have a manageable fourth down. You've been moving the ball. You go for it. But then it was odd to me that on the next drive, they have fourth and 10 and instead elect to kick, like, a 50-yard field goal or 48-yard field goal. And it was not even close. Um, and I just think at that point, you just got to go for it. Because you didn't, you know, your kickers, you know, you don't trust your kicker to kick a 25, 30 yard field goal. Why you trust him to kick a 48 yard field goal? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, but it, in general, it just, it, it does, be, but like, I just think there are some, I think there's a tendency to overreact both ways. Um, I, I just, I, I think this team, I think this team can rebound. Um, I think they can't, I think there are enough good things going on. Um, you know, ultimately like you're going to have to deal with some turnovers from Seth Hennigan. That's like, frankly, the fact that he's only had what, two fumbles and two, I guess now three interceptions. I don't know if I count the last one, um, but you know, like that's pretty good through six games for a true freshman. Ultimately, you've kind of gotten, uh, gotten off good there, so to speak. Um, and, and I think the thing you mentioned, you know, because it was interesting, Calvin Austin's comments after the game about how, what did he say exactly, that, that they're entitled? He said there's, there's a sense of entitlement on the team. And, he, and I asked him to clarify because I didn't want to misunderstand it, but he said there's a sense that players think that because they're Memphis, they will find ways to just kind of put it together instead of going out and doing the things to help them put it all together. It was very revealing. And Silverfield kind of said on Monday that basically, yeah, he was glad that Calvin brought it up because he trusts his leaders to make those, make those calls. But again, when you're three and three and your best player basically says that, you know, we have guys who just kind of think that Memphis is just going to always find a way to win and not go out and do the work. It's pretty revealing because, you know, Calvin Austin, mild man or guy, but he'll be straight up and say, we got to fix this, and it starts with me. So I thought that was that, that, that It's interesting to me because one of the, the calling cards of Memphis these past few years especially was they just they figured out how to win these game, close games. They won a lot. Of, even the Cotton Bowl year, they won a lot of close games. Um, right. And here now they've lost, you know, I, I would, even though the Temple game, I guess the Temple game technically was the three-point game, even though this game was a little more lopsided, you know, it came down to the last six minutes of the fourth yeah, quarter. Last drive. You could say last drive, yeah. Um, and they haven't been able to figure out how to win the close games like they have previously. Right. Um, or at least during this stretch. But 
I don't. I still don't think. You know. I guess if you were expecting this team or hoping this team would be another ten-win team, then yeah, it's you know, I don't. It's not. It's panic time, or it's probably you know that that's probably it can't happen. Frankly, right now right. with three losses, but you know, ultimately this team was picked to finish fifth in the AAC, and I still think they can finish fourth or fifth in the AAC. Um, they don't have to play Cincinnati. Um, and they're not that far off. Like they do a lot of good things. They like Calvin Austin. It doesn't appear anyone can cover him. You know, same with Sean Dykes. It appears Seth Hennigan is at the start of what could be another, you know, he could be the next in line of, you know, very good Memphis quarterbacks. Um, the defense, you know, again, I thought played, you know, better. It's like it's it's just, like the yeah. difference between being horrible and terrible, but you know, horrible and unreliable. You know, like they were horrible, and then uh, against Tulsa, felt like they were kind of unreliable in the key moments. Um, and you know, and the, and the the biggest issue with them though is that you know they're not going to be a team. It's very clear they are not going to be a defense that's able to shut down teams. Right. But they got to start creating some turnovers, making some like making some plays you know what i mean like that's really the issue like they don't do they don't make plays like, like other than like quindell johnson like it feels like and you know jj russell from time to time like guys don't make you know change of momentum plays on defense they're just kind of make you know and it, it, it's a problem because you know ultimately i don't know what they're they, you know they've shown the past couple weeks whereas i think you know, a year ago, two years ago, with the offense they had, you know what the we we go the offense would look bad or defense would look bad, but you know what the offense would put up forty five and they'd win the game. You right. know, um, and they're not at that point yet offensively, even though again they're number eleven in the country in total offense. Seth Hennigan is um, really high up, and if you look at uh, Seth, Seth Hennigan is a top ten. Is a fifth top ten quarterback in the country in yards per game right now? Yeah, fifth, fifth in country in passing yards, eighteenth in yards per attempt. I mean, fourteen TDs is top row left. in passer rating. I mean, I don't know if you can ask for much more out of a true freshman. Yeah, um, he's been, you know, other than you know, Des. You look at QB rating. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati has been better, and Tanner Mordecai at SMU has been better than him in the AAC. And those are the two best teams in the conference. So what are we talking about? You're right. You know, so um, it does feel like they, they, I just really want, I think my emphasis would be, I agree that it is concerning these last three games. And there's a tendency to, you know, point to the coaching staff and, you know, like, I, you know, and, and, you know, want to fire everyone. And, you know, like that's just, yeah, that's typical um in college football but like i really don't think when you watch these games they're that far off and that's why i think it's been so disappointing is that they aren't that far away from having you know being you know from from not being in this situation that's how i look at it well i would i would counter that and say they're not far off but they're the fact that they keep coming up short in these kind of similar ways that's a big problem because it doesn't seem like they're fixing some of those issues. Like, yes, the defense played better against Tulsa. When I did my grades, 
I gave the defense a better grade than I gave the offense or special teams because I thought they had played well up until those two big plays and even that end of first half play. But if a team keeps making the same mistakes over and over again, like the fumbles, the turnovers, um, special teams isn't getting any better. The defense keeps giving up late plays in the fourth quarter. At some point, I'm wondering, you're not that far off, but if you keep doing the same things to keep you far off, what does that say about how things are being fixed? Is it just pretty much saying that this team isn't good enough to fix those mistakes? Or is it a case of maybe there needs to be a coaching adjustment and how things are being done? Uh, I didn't see the defense do anything differently, except that Tulsa just wasn't doing great besides running the ball. Like they were an okay offense, but I didn't really see some major adjustment on defense. Um, and by, I, and by the way, Evan, Memphis, 120th in the country in turnover margin right now. <laughs> See, out of 130 teams yeah and if i'm not mistaken they have two straight games without a sack or a t- or a turn forced turnover that's yeah. i mean there's clear areas where they're deficient it's it's creating turnovers i mean you know they have had a bu- bunch of they are 97th in turnovers lost so it's not like it's not just because they don't create turnovers their turnover margin is bad they do, they're turning the ball over too much um in sacks they're 118th in the country. Um, they only have six sacks. They they're averaging one sack per game. They have six for the year. Um, so, and, and you know, part of that is scheme and, and what Mike McIntyre has decided to do defensively. And, you know, I said last week, I'd like to see them blitz more. I, I, yes. they, I don't think they did that against Tulsa. I think they still did the same thing. Um, yeah. And, you know being stubborn like whereas i do think you've seen offensively they've they've gotten away you know they're still running the ball but they're not trying to force it as much as they were uh especially against utsa um it does feel like they're trying to make their make they've made some adjustments on offense um defensively you'd like to see you know i would like to see some a change in philosophy here in the second half of the season now Looking at this Navy game, I will say Mike McIntyre has a good history against the triple option, particularly against Navy. Um, yes. Whether it was at San Jose State um, or, or you know Ole Miss or wherever he's been, he's been his defense seems he seems to have a good plan of attack against these option offenses. And and Memphis did well against Navy last year defensively. They did. They did. Ten seven um, game. And because they, I mean, they're going to need it. I mean, this is a big, it's a home game. You're, I, I, I don't know how this game has been bet up to 10. I think, what is it? A 10 point spread at this point? It might be, yeah. It opened at like eight or so. Yeah, eight uh, or nine. Memphis favored. Um, but, just, but Navy, on the other hand, we should say, looked horrendous the first three weeks of the year to the point that the, at, the AD at Navy, fired their longtime offensive coordinator, Ivan Jasper. And then midweek, Ken Numatololo, the head coach, said, because they'd been together for like a decade, the right. two of them said, well, I convinced him I'm going to call the plays, but we're bringing Ivan back. It's not, it, Ivan's coming back as just an assistant. He's just not going to call the plays. Um, and really, since that awkward moment where, again, the AD fired one of Ken Malolo's assistants, <laughs> um, they played better. Um, you know, Navy is 
let's see here. Well, let me, let me make sure I got there. So they looked horrendous. They lost 49-7 to Marshall the first game of the year. Yep. Lost 23-3 to Air Force second game of the year. Then the last three games lost by eight points to Houston on the road, beat UCF, and then lost by a touchdown to Southern Mitt, or uh, SMU, excuse me. And that, um, 80, and that that UCF game, they came back to win by scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter. So they've looked, you know, they're still probably a, you know, compared to some of the Navy teams of the past, not that good, but they've looked better the last three weeks and uh, look more like Navy. You know, like you, there's a certain, le- you know, just with that style of play, they've looked more like Navy. Um, what do you see in this matchup, Evan? What, what, what to you uh, stands out? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I watched some of the game, their game on Saturday with uh, SMU, and I thought it was funny. I turned it on right when, I guess, Navy went up 21-7, and I was like, okay, this could be a fun game, and Navy looks like they're forcing takeaways. But then they ended up getting outscored 24-3 to against a good SMU team. So I think, like you said, this does not look like the same Navy team that we saw at the Liberty Bowl in 2019. Um, this doesn't look – this looks more like a team that – Seems to have kind of figured out some problems from 2020, but still, they're not efficient enough yet. And I think that also— yeah, They're 126th in total offense right now. Yeah. They're and they're 19th in rushing offense, which, you know, yeah, that's top 20. But uh, Navy, when Navy's decent or good, they're in the top—they're usually either number one or in the top five in rushing offense because of how much they run the ball. Um, right. So, yeah, they've got some issues, to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah, and that's and that's why I feel like, you know, you look at this and say on paper, Memphis should be a heavy favorite in this game. But just for me, when you watch Memphis struggle to stop the run against UTSA and Tulsa, your question is, well, how are they going to stop Navy, which is going to get, you know, 250 yards on them just on principle? They're um, only averaging 220 uh, rushing yards. No, well, well, see, OK, so that's that's fine. But let me look at this, too, here. Yeah, their last game they had 177 against SMU. So you you can look at this defense and say they have some success. They have veterans who know how to beat Navy. Memphis has beaten Navy three of the last four years. So that's on their side. But can those same guys and those veterans lead a unit that has struggled this year to create any kind of like dynamic plays? Can they slow down and create takeaways? Can they stop Navy on third down when they're just, you know, they're not a great third down defense. Um, I I have questions about the defense, but I also think based on how they played at Tulsa, this is going to be a game where the defense has to be able to hold you in a game and you're going to need the offense to finish drives. Like there's no, no bones about it. You got to finish drives. You got to get touchdowns because as you, you well know, being around this team Navy for as long as you have, and we've seen Navy here, you you cannot. It's easier to beat Navy when you're you got a lead. If you're playing from behind, that's where Navy gets you because they'll just drain the clock. So yeah. I think I think the yeah. offense the offense has to be able to finish drives. But this is going to be a game where whatever happens with special teams, okay. You need the defense to hold you in this game for four quarters, and you're going to need the offense to score touchdowns and finish this drive. Finish drives. Otherwise, there won't be a lot of happy people on Thursday. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So if you look at this, like two years ago, the last good Navy team averaged over six yards per rush. Yep. This, this Navy team's averaging 3.7 yards per rush. Okay. And what I find, what I think is good for Memphis is 
I do think against Navy, uh, uh, playing that Navy offense, experience really does matter. And there are a lot of guys on this defense who have gone up against that Navy defense multiple times at this point. And frankly, they're not a great rushing defense, Memphis, but if they're better at something than the other, it's defending the run because, you know, they've got those linebackers like J.J. Russell and Thomas Pickens and, you know, veteran guys. And even in the secondary, like Sanchez Blake, not the greatest at defending the pass at times, but actually a pretty good guy when he's up in the box, you know, yeah. at safety. Um, so uh, I think your point about getting the lead early, I think if you get the lead early in this game, like if you go up 17 nothing or 21 nothing in this game, going to be really hard for this Navy team to come back. You'd really have to uh, you'd really have to blow it. Like it, it'd take much, even more, more so than against Temple and UTSA. So um, it, here's what I'd say. This is a very winnable game. Yes. Um, and if you're trying to get to seven and five or eight, if you're trying to close this year strong, it, it, it includes a win over Navy. You know, like when you look at it, you sh- frankly, with how UCF has been hurt by injuries. Yep. And with how weak Navy looks this year, like this is where you start to turn it around going into the bye week because these are two winnable games coming up before you face SMU after the bye or after the open week. Um, And particularly this one, this is not a good, this is going to be a Navy team that finishes three and nine. Now, what was it? Three years ago, Memphis lost to a Navy team that finished three and nine. Now that game was yes. in Annapolis. It was Brady White's first year, um, but it's 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 a, it's an important moment. You don't want to go under five hundred. You just don't. You know that that would be an, each these past three weeks we've seen, you know, different um, since senses happen. Like it was UTSA was their first home loss since. And the loss to Temple was first lost back-to-back losses to a group of five teams since, you know, Mike Norvell's first year. And this past week was their first three-game losing streak since Justin Fuente's first year. And as you mentioned, you don't want the next – you don't want another since. Their first under 500 record since 2013. It, like, almost feels like – you're undoing all the good you've done for seven, eight years here right. every, every cons- successive week. And, you know, it's just, like, again, I'm not in the boat of fire everyone. Whatever. Like, you know, that can wait for the off season. And I don't even think like by fire everyone, I think maybe, you know, if this continues, you got to make some changes. But let's see if they can, you know, this is part of being a head coach. Um a young head coach is figuring out how to fix it. How do you get someone who can at least make a 35 yard field goal for you? You know, like no one's expecting at this point for Riley Patterson to emerge or Jake Elliott to emerge, but like you need to be able to kick a 35 yard field goal if you get down there. So can David Kemp do that? Can you get Joe Doyle to a point where he can do that at least? You know, that's what they need to figure out this week. You know, can they um, keep Navy? You know, because Navy, the key with Navy is, you know, they're they're like, uh, you know, they're going to hit you with a big play every now and then, um, whether it's over the top throwing the ball or like 
if you can tackle well against Navy, particularly a Navy offense like this one that doesn't look that dynamic, I think you're going to be okay on defense. And then as you mentioned on offense, can you can you punch it in? Like you are probably going to be able to uh, gain yards again, just like you did against Tulsa. You're going to be able to move the ball. I mean, right. if you look at Navy's defense, now their defense is better than, you know, they're 56 in the country in total defense. Um, so they got a better defense than offense. Um, they're, they're work and, and they're, but they are, their weaknesses in the pass game. And typically with these Navy teams, you know, they're, they're, the good Navy teams. Again, I don't know if that applies to this one, but they're fundamentally sound, but they don't have a ton of dynamic athletes because of their recruiting restrictions. Um, right. You know, so can you, can you figure out ways to get Calvin Austin, Javon Ivory, um, and uh, Sean Dykes, you know, get them involved in the passing game? Like, you know, uh, can Seth Hennigan have a game where he throws the ball, you know, 30, 40 times, not 50, you don't want 57 like you did the other no. night, no. Um, but 30, 40 times and not have a turnover. Um, so it's going to be an interesting night. We'll wrap it up like this. Evan, do we have any injury updates? Um, I know Rodriguez Clark, he didn't play much in that Tulsa game, right? Is he going to be available this week? Yeah, so, you know, Silverfield has always been pretty clear on, like, guys are game time decisions. So for now, we got Gabe Rogers, Isaac Ellis, Dreek Clark as game time decisions from what he said on Monday. Uh, we found out after the game that Calvin Austin on, on uh, Silverfield's uh, coaches show, Calvin Austin was questionable to play against Tulsa. Um, undisclosed injury. We saw he had a 20-yard well, we game. We saw him come up in the top. Remember at the end of the Temple? Was it the end of the Temple game or UTSA game? Temple. I think it was Temple. He was a little bit gimpy. I, I did yeah, see that. So. Stayed in. I think it was actually UTSA. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, one of those. But, one of know, those. He's, yeah. he's good. Somebody specifically asked about Calvin. Calvin is good to go. Um, I mean, honestly, so, he looked pretty – maybe he was only 4-4 fast with the injury. He looked pretty – you know, he, he looked bad in between plays. But then when he was running routes, he looked pretty good. But by the way, the fact that we just now bringing up Calvin Austin and he had a 200 yard game is crazy with everything else going on with Memphis. Like there's a chance we're watching probably Calvin Austin approach Anthony Miller's single season records for for uh, yards and touchdowns. And it's kind of like an underlying subplot of this season because everything else is things are going poorly. But Calvin Austin is on pace to have the best single season of receivers had here. And it feels hmm. almost like Memphis needs to get better so people can talk that up more. But yeah, I mean, no, you don't focus on that stuff when you're on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, but just bringing that up. But yeah, yeah. that's our injury report for Thursday. Okay, well, should be an interesting one Thursday night at Simmons Bank Memorial Liberty Bowl. Um, no, <laughs> I don't know what to Liberty, call it. Liberty Simmons. Liberty Simmons. Yeah. The Simmons Bank Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium, even though they want to take out Liberty Bowl. Um, should be an interesting one. A game that, you know, frankly, you know, like if I'm Ryan Silverfield, you know, again, it's not like his job is on the line, but I don't want to have to answer questions after another loss. I don't want to have to deal with the rumblings that will occur just, of you know, people being dissatisfied because they're so used to winning games. Um, and this feels like a good opportunity, frankly, in my opinion, to get back on the winning track. Um, hopefully they can clean some things up. Um, all right, we'll have tons of coverage over at commercialappeal.com uh, Thursday night. Uh, make sure you're following Evan on Twitter at Evan underscore B. 
Um, he'll have stuff leading into the game as well. Um, till next week, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan as always. And uh, yeah, Thursday night football. Get ready. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. 